Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Now here's Pastor Marco De Barros. So if you have your Bibles today, we want to start a new series with you. It's Mother's Day. I thought it would be cool to talk about an amazing woman in the Bible, Esther. But the beauty of this is that it's not just about women, it's about all of us. The story of God is for humanity. It's for every single one of us. And, and, and it's fascinating. The Bible is fascinating because it's a collection of 66 books written in different times, over 15 centuries by 40 different authors, but all of them united in one message to say that God loves people and he's looking to rescue them. He's looking to, to, to bring them back into the fold of God's will. Amen? And so Esther is an interesting story because, uh, you know, the, the name of God is not even mentioned in this book. It's 10 chapters, and God's name is never mentioned. And, and it's powerful because God's trying to show us, listen, I work behind the scenes. Like, I'm not mentioned, but it doesn't mean I'm not there. See, sometimes you may think God's not there, but he's working behind the scenes. Like, he's working things out for your good without you even knowing. But because we're knuckleheads, we're thinking, God's not here. And then, and then when it's all said and done, you're like, it was God all along. It was God. You know. Joseph said that, right, when he got to the palace, after everything he went through, he told his brothers, it was all God. I think one of the greatest revelations in life is to get to that point to say, it's all God. Like, it's all God. The good, the bad, and the ugly, God works it all out for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. Can you say amen? Amen. And so I want to take you on this journey in the book of Esther, and I I highly recommend you read it through through the week because we only have a short amount of time. We can't cover everything. Trust me, sometimes I want to preach to you for hours. And uh, it would just be me and a couple of us that would really enjoy that. Um, but speaking of preaching, I don't know if you know this, but the preacher preaches as well as you receive. You get what I'm saying? Like, you got to want the word of God to be preached to you. So, so I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to babysit you. I'm here for us to go on this journey together. And so lean in, get your notes, get your Bible. Let's get together and let's crack open God's word and let's go on a journey together. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So, so I'm going to pick up from chapter 2, verse 15, and then I'm going to work my way back to chapter 1. All right. Chapter 2, verse 15 says, Esther was the daughter of Abihel, who was Mordecai's uncle. Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin, Esther. When it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch in charge of of the harem. She asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. Esther was taken to King Xerxes at the royal palace in early winter of the seventh year of his reign, and the king loved Esther more than any other young woman. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. To celebrate the occasion, he gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all his noble officials, declaring a public holiday for the new provinces and giving generous gifts to everyone. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but because we're talking about Esther being a queen, uh, we kind of set up the stage like, you know, you're, you're walking into uh, the, 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 the throne room here. And I love that about our church, that we're, we have people that think about these things to say, how can we bring visual to what we're doing? So can we give a shout out to the stage design team for, for doing that? You know? I've told you this many times, but I, one of my favorite things to do in life is watch movies. 
I love movies. It's one of my favorite pastimes. Like, if I, if I need to get away, I'll go watch a movie. And hopefully, there's nobody else there. I like to go early. <laughs> I like to hang out with a couple of senior citizens, and that's it. Like, I just want it to be quiet. Like, I talk for a living. I deal with people all every day for a living. I just want to be on my own, okay? And I hope you understand that, okay? So, so sometimes I walk in, I have my hoodie on. So it's like, nobody sees me, and they say, hey, Pastor. Oh, hi, how you doing? Um, <laughs> Which is so hard in New Bedford. I thought it was going to be a big city, 100,000 people. But no matter where I go, I walk into people that came to the church. You know, I'm having breakfast the other day. The waitress It's like, oh, you're the pastor. Went to 7-Eleven. Girl checking me out goes, you're the pastor. You know, it's like, I guess I am. Um, but, uh, but I love movies. And, and, and we all like different types. Of, how many of you guys love a movie? You guys love a good movie. You love a- and we all have our preferences when it comes to movies. Some of us like action, and some of us like drama. Some of us like chick flicks. Uh, fellas, don't raise your hand. Uh, but we all, we all have our preferences when it comes to movies. But I was thinking about this fact, that at the end of the day, there's two types of moviegoers. Okay? There's the type that just loves a good fairy tale ending. Like you just, the movie has to end well for you to feel like it was a good movie. Okay? That's my wife. Right? Like, my wife will be watching a movie. If it doesn't end well, the movie's stunk. Doesn't matter how good it was. If it doesn't end in a fairy, fairy tale, like, happily ever after, it's not a good movie. I'm the other guy. I'm the guy that's like, oh, the guy died? Awesome. Like, it happens. You know? Like, what kind of moviegoer are you? I want you to ask, you, ask the person next to you. Are you a fairy tale person? Or like, whatever happens, like, it's life. You know? All right, you can continue that conversation at the cafe. Um, but I was thinking about that. Like, my favorite chick flick is The Breakup. You ever watch The Breakup? Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn? I like it because in the end, they don't end up together. I'm like, that's awesome. Sometimes things don't happen the way you want them to happen. My wife was like, that's the worst movie I've ever seen. I'm like, that's pretty good. I, you know, things don't work out sometimes. That's just the way it goes. You know, so I want my movies to be as close to a documentary as possible. Like, I want a real, based on true story, like, this happened in real life. It could happen in real life. You know, and some people just want the fairy tale movie, you know, which is okay. You know, once in a while, you got to offset the, you know, the universe. You got to watch a chick flick. And then you got to watch, like, a really crazy action movie to bring you back to being a man. Um, <laughs> you know, can't watch The Notebook and not offset it with Gladiator or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> But that's how marriage goes. You got to compromise. You know, wife goes to bed, gladiator. I, I need some blood in my life. <laughs> Come on, fellas. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Pastor watches gladiator. Oh, he does. You ever read the Bible? It's bloody. Um, but I was thinking about the, the, the book of Esther. When you, when you read it, I hope you do. It's 10 chapters. It, it really reads like a movie. Right? Because the things that happens to, uh, to, to Esther is crazy. It's bizarre, you know? And, and, and it has one of those fairy tale feel to it that almost feels like, man, this is too good to be true. You know? And, and it is. Right? Because a lot of times, you know, the struggle that we have, if it's something's too good to be true, then it must be... It must be God. <laughs> so I'm trying to get at. You know what I mean? Like, when, when things happen that doesn't make sense, it should happen. You know, we... 
as human beings, we're very skeptical. We're, we're on the documentary side. Like, this is how it works. This is how it always works. You know, some people are like, I didn't want to put my hopes too high because I, didn't, I knew this was going to happen. But the truth is, there's always a twist when you're following God. God will take a mess and turn it into a message when you're following him. So next time you hear someone says, yeah, it's too good to be true. It must be God. You know, unless it's a pyramid scheme. Like, don't. That's not God. God will bless you, but not that. Okay. Um, but Esther's like that. Esther, just to give you a background, Esther was an orphan. You know, Esther didn't have mom and dad. Esther was, was pretty much uh, raised by her cousin Mordecai. And, uh, and Esther was, was a Jewish uh, young lady that lived in Persia. She was a slave, basically, because they were in captivity. You no, know, Esther didn't have a home. Esther was an orphan. Esther uh, was, was pretty much a slave girl. Right? But through a series of unusual events, Esther, this, this orphan, this slave girl, this Jewish girl, ends up becoming the queen of the greatest empire of her day. You know, the, the, the Persian Empire at this time was the biggest empire around. Like, it, it, they, they, their, their reign was so vast, they went from India to Ethiopia. Go, go, go look at that on a map. You'll see what I'm talking about. Like, it's a vast empire. And here's a slave girl, an orphan girl that does not belong in the palace becomes the queen. That's too good to be true. Yeah. It must be God. You know, it, it, it must be God. There's no other way to, 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 to make sense of this. But the most powerful thing about the story is that when you're reading the Bible, you understand that, that God is not just talking about Esther. God is talking about us. Yeah. You see... The Old Testament is a foreshadow of the New Testament, right? So God throughout the Old Testament will take stories and people on a journey to, to display his will that he wants to, to, to bring to every single person that would follow him. You know, so, so Esther's journey is a journey of grace. Like, like grace makes absolutely no sense. Why would a loving, holy, righteous God, right, the, the, the king of the universe, want to have relationship with mere sinners, it makes absolutely no sense, you know, that God would want to come after us. Just like this, this king would make a way for a slave girl to come into his place. Now, I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. I feel like, listen, the church is growing. We need to grow with the word of God. Okay, so I hope you're following because I'm going to say some things that you're going to have to track with me to be able to follow. That, that all this stuff is called a foreshadow of, what the, of the things to come. Okay, that the old is concealed in the new and the new is in the old. Like, that's how God operates, right? God didn't just come up with grace when Jesus showed up. God already had grace in the Garden of, of Eden. When the, when the moment that they fell, God didn't go, oh, what are we going to do? No, God had a plan already to redeem humanity all the way from the beginning. It's just that the way God works is, is through progressive revelation. In other words, God's not going to give you all of it all at once because you can't handle it. Right? God will take you through a process of progressive revealing himself to you in a way that you'll be able, you, mere man, can be able to say, wait, I get it now. Right? And so it's, it's a journey that God takes us on. And so these stories are meant to show us deeper things that God is doing in our lives, in our society. Because sometimes you think he's not there, just like in, the, in this book, his name is not mentioned, but his hand is all over every single detail that's happening. God works behind the scenes. Can you say Amen. And so if you go back to chapter 1, right, chapter 1 is interesting because it starts with a party. King Xerxes throws one of the biggest parties that I ever heard about. Have you ever been to a party that lasted 180 days? 
You're talking about like the definition of the after party, like taken to a whole nother context. Okay. He threw a massive party. He was displaying his power. He was displaying his splendor. He was trying to show the people like I'm the, he called himself the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Like I, there's no one higher than me on this planet. Like, and I want to show you that, right? So 180 days with just his officials from 127 provinces going from India to Ethiopia. It's like, I'm going to show you guys that I'm the greatest king. And then we're going to go out and we're going to conquer Greece. Okay, that was, that was the plan. And then after 180 days, he throws another party. This one lasted seven days. He's like, now we're going to throw a party with everyone that can come. We're going to open the courtyard. And when we say open the courtyard, he's not talking about your little backyard. Okay, he's talking about a huge garden. Okay, and, you, and if you go back and read the details of this place, it's, it's beyond comprehension. Okay, you're talking about... Uh, these people had golden couches made of gold. Like, that can't be comfortable, <laughs> sitting on gold. They were drinking from gold cups, right? He was showing his splendor. He was showing his majesty. He was showing, like, that I, I have everything that you can imagine, that you can want. So if you understand the foreshadow of how God works and operates, God is trying to show us who he is. See, see, God takes imperfect people in imperfect situations to show us his perfect plan, right? Because truly, who is the king of kings? Only Jesus is the king of kings, right? Many kings have, 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 have risen and fallen just like Xerxes, reigned for a minute, but he's gone. But Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like, I'm the king of kings, and I have the greatest splendor. Like, if you begin to, if you begin to pay attention to the details of this courtyard, it was like the garden all over again. It was God saying, like, this is the kind of thing that's going to happen when you come into my banquet. How does the Bible end in a huge banquet? In a garden, right? Full of who? Full of all the people that God has gathered as his own to say, like, I'm throwing a party for you, right? And so it's a party filled with people like Moses, Abraham, Isaac, people that we read about, people that we look up to. Apostle Paul is there. Timothy is there. But then amongst all those, the king comes, which is Jesus himself. Right. He said one day we'll have the supper together. We'll have this, this banquet together that's going to reflect everything that I've been saying from the beginning. So God's given us a foreshadow through an imperfect king to say, no, I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. Are you following so far? Yeah. Right. And so during this party, right, there's another party going on where the, the queen threw a party. Queen Vashti throws a party at the same time King Xerxes is having a party. And things are going well. And, 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 and the king's like, man, no restrictions. We want everybody to have a good time. I don't know about you, but do you ever think about God in terms of a party? Because most people think about God in terms of somber. Most people think about God in terms of long beard in heaven somewhere, really grumpy, angry at everybody, ready to kill everybody, ready to smite in you if you do something wrong. But God is trying to show us here, like, no, no, I'm into parties. Like, I'm into having a good time. Like, I want you to have a good time. Like, you don't believe me? You know why I, don't, I know you don't believe me? I'm looking at your faces. Because you all, I got that somber face. Like, when is it going to bring the hammer? Like, 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 with God, there's really no hammer. Like, God is into parties. Like, who think invented fun? Like, God, like, you wouldn't be having fun if God didn't want you to have fun. Like, who put that stuff in us? See, God is in the parties. I'm praying, church, that we get this. I'm praying that the more we walk with God, the more we have parties. Like, real parties. You know? Because 
I don't want to be that Christian that talks about, yeah, when we all get to heaven. <laughs> what a day of rejoicing that would be. You know, I don't, I don't want to buy into that pie-in-the-sky Christianity if it doesn't operate right now where I am in life. I believe in a God of the now, this very moment. He's with us. He said, no restrictions. He says, have a good time. He said, listen, bring the best royal wine that we have. And when I said that, everybody got excited. Um, let's have a good time. You know, what's interesting, again, it's a foreshadow of the New Testament, right? What does the New Testament say? It says, listen, the joy of the Lord is your strength, like, is with you. And he said, don't get drunk in wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch what kind of party you'll have when your, your life is filled with the presence of God. Like, that should excite you, that the presence of God is with you, and you can enjoy life. Right? When the, when the presence of God is with you, you don't, you don't need outside sources. Oh, my God, you didn't get that. When the presence of God is in you, that means joy is built in. Peace is built in. You know what I mean? Laughter is built in. Happiness is built in. You don't have to bring something from the outside to make you have a party. And you can have a party just because. Right? Someone ought to give God a praise just because he's good. Just because. He's a good God. Right? He's a good God. He's an awesome God. Right? And he throws parties. Jesus' first miracle was in a party, minding his business, right? Mary's like, can you, can you help with this party? Uh, I guess I will. You know, but God, is, I, I want to make that clear that, like, church is supposed to be enjoyed, not endured. Like, we're supposed to celebrate the presence of God in our midst. Like, he's good to us. He's good. But two parties going on. The king says, okay, guys, this is going awesome. I want to show you something. I want to show you my queen. I want to show you the splendor of my kingdom. Like, he took pride in Queen Vash. He says, bring her out. I want to show off my wife. They're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. He calls for her. She never shows up. Everybody go, ooh. <laughs> she doesn't show up. The Bible doesn't say why. But again, it's foreshadowing of what God is trying to show us. The king loves to be with his queen. God loves to be with his people. Okay? But for some odd reason, something has separated us from God that we don't want to come into his presence. It's a picture of the garden. God used to come and hang out with Adam and Eve every day. The Bible says they used to hang out in the, in the breeze of night. They would walk together, and they would talk together, and they would fellowship. And one day God shows up, and Adam wasn't there, and God said, Adam, where are you? He hid. Why? Because sin will always try to hide you from the presence of God. Sin will always try to keep you away from God. And what happens when we get separated from God? We have two parties going on. You have God's party, and then you have the world's party. But we're so blinded by that party that we realize that actually the greatest party going on is on the other side. And we stay there, and we say things like, this is why I don't go to church. This is why this happened. This is why that happened. Everybody's a hypocrite. I'm not good enough. We say all these things, and I realize that the invitation is open to come to this party. Right? That, That God's grace... It's not based on your performance. It's based on who he is. He's already king. You can't make him anything else. 
Right? God's already accepted you and invites you into his party. But unfortunately, condemnation, guilt, shame keeps people away from the party that God wants them to have and end up having a fake party. They end up having a party where, 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 where people are so empty, we have to keep cranking up the volume higher and higher to try to make ourselves feel alive. But deep down inside, we know something is off. It's not working out. It's not working out. You ever heard people try to convince you how much fun they're having? But it's like, if you're having fun, you don't have to convince me. You ever see people try to tell you, yo, it was popping last night. But I'm looking at you. You look crazy. Like, how, how can it be popping? You look weird. I'll never do that again. You ever heard that one? Like, in other words, God wants you to party with no regrets. God wants you to party and remember that you party. And remember, like, this was fun. This was awesome. I had a good time. You know? It's a foreshadow of us being separated. But God being so good that he doesn't leave us there. What does he do? He says, there's consequences. You don't come into the presence of God. Then guess what? You know, listen, sin will always carry a consequence. Sin, sin will promise a lot but not deliver. Right? Sin is, sin is like a politician. <laughs> Man, they can talk a good game. But when it comes to delivering, <laughs> it's like, yo, what happened? No. Yes, we can. No, we can't. Um, all right, I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go there. You know. But, but the grace of God, what does he do? The king of kings says, we're going to find a new queen. One that will appreciate this. One that would appreciate my presence. One that would value this relationship. You know what he does? Again, it's amazing. The foreshadow of what God does. King Xerxes says, put out the word through all Persia from India to Ethiopia. I'm looking for a new queen. Foreshadow. Isn't that what God does? Put out the word. I'm the king of kings. I'm looking for anyone that would come to me and we will have a relationship and we, and we will have something going on that you cannot have on your own. Like, I put out the word for God so loved the world. I put out the word out there that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the grace of God. That's the goodness of God. He puts out the word to anyone who will listen. Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. Are you hearing God calling you? Calling you closer to him. Calling you to a relationship. Calling you to be part of royalty. See, here's, here's, here's a young lady who went from rags to royalty. Like, I got news for you this morning. You have royalty in your DNA. So be humble. Be humble. Some of y'all got that. <laughs> I'll, I'll just move on. What's he talking about? Foreshadow. Uh... <laughs> Appreciate the golf, golf clap, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Pastor, you could do better. That was pretty good. Appreciate that. Got some loyal people in the house. That's good. Uh, <laughs> some of y'all didn't even try. You're like, you're on your own, man. You're on your own. I'll just move on. <laughs> but listen, what, what I'm trying to get at is this. It's a foreshadow. You are Esther. You're like, I'm not an orphan. You are, spiritually speaking. Yeah. You are Esther. Well, I'm not a foreigner. You are. The Bible says you are a spiritual foreigner. You are all 
Esther's. And God puts out the word to bring, you, to bring you closer to him, to bring you to his palace. It sounds too good to be true. It is. It must be God. It must be God. Because the word went out for them to come meet the king, not, not, not for them to get themselves together to meet the king. Like the king was going to do that for them. Okay, if you read the story, the king is the one that prepares them. The king's people prepares them to meet the king, not them trying to get them on their own. In other words, religion says, get yourself together, then God maybe will, will do something for you. Grace says, no, come as you are, and God will do the work that you need, he needs to do in your life. So you have royalty in your DNA. It, it's, it's amazing to me the parallels here that God is trying to show us with, with a Imperfect situation, imperfect people, and, and grace coming in. It's the picture of God's love for people. They put out the word, and hundreds come. Hundreds. Why? Because God comes searching for you. That's the gospel. Like, I, I pray today you get just, if you can just get this one part. The gospel is that God comes searching for you. Once in a while, you hear people say, I found God. Where was he? <laughs> you ever heard people say that? I know what they mean, but it's like, that's the wrong theology. God was never lost. You were lost. He came and found you and brought you to his presence. That's the gospel. That's the, that's the good news, is that God comes after us. We don't find God. He finds us. And when he begins a good work in you, man, he's reluctant. Like, God is persistent. God is so persistent that he will make a whale swallow you. Like, that's how much he loves people. He's like, Jonah, I might have to get a fish to swallow you to know how much. Like, even as God's love. God's like, I have to put you in a fish for you to realize how much I love you. What spiritual fish are you in right now? Because Jonah's story is your story too. Like, that's how much God loves people. Like, he will find a way. Like, you would have to hard, fight really hard for God not to get you. Because he's always putting out his word out there. Like, you, you would drive home today. You'll see, you'll see a billboard, and it will remind you of God. You'll be watching a commercial, and God is speaking to you. Random people will call you. You go on Facebook, God is there speaking. You go on Instagram, God is there. You go on Twitter, like you can't escape God's love. Like where can you go, the Bible says. He's always there. Like God is the one that will always be persistent. Like you have to fight really hard to not want God's grace. Like you get in the car and you're like trying to drive off. God is picking up your wheel and where are you going? I'm not through with you yet. Don't trip. I'm not done yet. Right? But the enemy will always love for you to go to the wrong party. But God's always trying to invite you to his party. Can you say amen? He searched, he searched for you. I remember when, when I was in my knucklehead stages where God would send people to me. There was one particular guy that I would see his car. I'm like, oh, he's coming. <laughs> and we would try to find ways to get away from him. And then I got saved and people started running away from me. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's what God does. I tell you what, you haven't gotten saved until some people run away from you. <laughs> Why? Because, because the gospel is so good, you become obnoxious about it. Why? Because you're like, you got to get this. It's so amazing. You're in the wrong party. Come to this party. Come to this one. I'm telling you, one of the signs you know the gospel has reached you is that you have a burning desire to reach somebody else. 
I would, I, would, I would go on a limb and tell you, you are not in the right party if you don't have a desire to bring people in. Because some parties you don't want to tell anybody about. And some things we do, we're like, I hope nobody finds out. Don't raise your hand. We, we, you're safe. You're in church. But the things of God are meant to be done in the light. So everybody can be part of it. Can you say amen? Like, invite people in. telling you, even this week, I would tell you this. If no one reach out, reaches out to you, God will. I can guarantee you that. God will always reach out to you. When you begin to have a little bit of, just a little bit of a spirit antenna up, you begin to see how God is into everything. Even things that don't work out, give it time and watch God show you why it didn't work out. Because he's a God that will say no to things that he knows this is not going to be the best thing for you. Right? He's that good. He will always come after you. You know, Jesus told a story that, that resembles this story. In Matthew 22, he talks about how the kingdom of heaven is like, is, like, is like a king threw a party for his sons. And he put the word out there, and some people were like, now nah, we're good. Isn't it amazing that we could be so consumed with the wrong party that we don't know there's a, there's a better party going on on this side? Isn't it amazing when people try to convince you that that party is incredible? But you're like, man, I've been to that party, though. Like you can't, it's not what you, false advertisement. That's what that is. Because I've been there. I remember the last, like about 20 years ago was the last time I stepped into a club and I felt like God put everything on mute and I looked around and I was like, this is it? You ever watch a club on mute? It's weird. People bumping and grinding like we're dogs and, you know what I mean, and, and the bathroom is disgusting and stuff going on in there. I mean, you, you tithe at the door to come in, you know what I mean, and, 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 and then you keep tithing through the drinks that you buy. Like, I mean, talking about a wrong party. You can't tell me that's the party. I've been there. False advertisement. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Like, taste and see that the Lord, he's good. Yeah, you haven't had a moment until you go, what the heck was I thinking? The prodigal son had that moment. He's like, what am I doing here? There's a party going on in my dad's house. That's where I should be. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will never leave you alone. He loves you too much to leave you in a false advertised party. Like a politician who promises but never delivers. How many more times are we going to say this is the weekend? Okay. This is the guy. I found him. Girl. <laughs> and then two weeks later. <laughs> back to Jesus. <laughs> you know, Jesus said, the word got out. Some people didn't show. He said, okay, now servants, go back. I love this, right? Look, look what he said. He said, now go out to the street corners. Who are on the street corners? The ones we avoid. The street pharmacists. <laughs> and invite everyone you see. 
So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests, saying, that's the picture of heaven. That's the picture of God's house. Everyone is invited, especially the ones on the street corner, because why? It's fascinating to me over the years. The ones you don't think will get it are the ones that actually get it. Why? Because, because, because that's how God works. He takes you from rags to royalty. Why? Because you, if, you already know, if you already think you're royalty, then what can he give you? Yeah. If you're not full of God, you're just full of yourself. Yeah. Right? I love this, the street corners. I, I was in a street corner the other day with my sons. Went in to get something that came out. One of the street corner dudes goes, what's up, Pastor? My, my son goes, Dad, how do you know him? I said, I know him because God says to teach everybody his ways. Like you talk to anyone that's willing to listen to you. You don't ever look at them any different than God looks at them because that's a man of God. I want to say this again. I, I really would doubt someone's Christianity if they're not consumed with bringing someone else in. You may be religious, but being a Christian will put a burning desire to say, man, someone else needs this party too. Someone needs to be part of this. The street corners, man, it blows my mind how God would just have such unconditional love. Because my love is very conditional. Right? Do some things, I might like you. But God's love is unconditional. I don't know if you catch this yet, but you're Esther. You're it. You're, you're, you're the one that he's talking about. He's saying, I have room for one more. Church, I hope we understand. Just because, just because we've been here for three years and we've grown, I believe this. God is still saying, I have room for one more. Like, there's more work for you to do. Right? Like, I don't know if you put two and two together, but when he says, servants, go out again, who do you think he's talking to? He's not talking about the pastor. He's talking about all of us. He's saying all of you. I put this on all of you. Like you're part of the party. I want you to go out and bring someone else into this party. That is one of the burning drives of a Christian. Is that someone else, Lord, needs to know who you are. Well, I keep my religion to myself. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Please do. But for God's sake, share Jesus with everybody. Keep your religion. You know? You see, let me end here because, are you guys good? Because I'm running out of time here. But you know what's amazing? Esther, in order to get into the presence of the king, she had to go through preparations for one whole year. Did you know that? Go read it. Ladies, you will like that because they're talking about all types of oil preparation. Like all the oil stuff you guys are heading to right now. It's not new. Okay, it's been there. All sorts of oil preparations, spas, all this stuff, all this treatment to meet the king of kings. Are you seeing the foreshadow? There's a preparation process to meet the king of kings. You come as you are, but you don't stay as you are because God will begin to now work on you, mold you, shape you, and make you into the person that you created to be in the first place. So there's a process. Church, let me ask you this question. What would happen to us if God got a hold of us for one year? 
I didn't mean come to church. I said, God, get a hold of you for one whole year. How much different would your life be if the king of kings had his way in your life? See, I think it's time we go a step further than just being people that go to a building. Let's be a people who are in the process of being molded and shaped into who God created us to be. Because if one earthly king needs a year of preparation, like how much more? You know what God is talking about here? He's talking about, listen, the preparation here that will lead you to eternity. That no one will see God without holiness. Go read it. Say, if you're not holy, you won't see me. That's the preparation. I have to mold you and shape you to look just like me so we can spend the rest of our lives together. See, earth is the playground for heaven. Earth is is where you get molded and shaped. It's not where you just sit back and wait to die. Earth is when you can do, and listen, when we get to heaven, there will be no more orphans to reach out to. There would be no more street teams. There would be no more shelters. He said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. That's the real deal. So let's not kid ourselves thinking we're doing it because we showed up. We're doing it when we are being molded and shaped and prepared and we are his hands and feet because people make time for what's important to them. People make time for what's important to them. And let me say this, I'm not into building a building full of people. My goal is to build a building full of disciples of Jesus Christ. People would walk with Jesus. I tell you, as I end, the success of a church is not showing up. That's not the success. The success of a church is how many people are showing up and actually going and doing the will of God during the week. That's the success of a church. You know, Jesus always did that when he was preaching. He would always separate, okay, now, who is here for real? Who's willing to go through the preparation to become the man and the woman that I called them to be? That's the process. That's the process. Are we willing to let go and truly let God begin to shape us and mold us? Because when I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, my time is his. My money is his. My treasure is his. My, my, my family is his. Like, my, everything belongs to the Lord. Why? Because, my God, I was just a slave girl. I was just an orphan. And he took me out of the streets. And he took me to his palace. And he molded and he's shaping me. And he's making me who I am. The least I can do is show him my love and my appreciation. And I, and I can't help it but to worship him. Because to him, much is forgiven. Much is will worship. Worship is an extension of your life. It's not a song. Worship is understanding, my God, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. That's the true worship. That's why he says, offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to him. That's the only thing left to do once you understand, I'm going from rags to royalty. Why do we sing nothing but the blood? It's the blood that makes me royal. It's the blood that makes me one with God. It's the blood that has brought me into his family. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.